We're going to talk about it. Fasten your seatbelts and welcome to Ruthless. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died. Judge Amy Coney Barrett. If Joe Biden wins, Democrats can sack the courts. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Maybe that's a question you should ask China. Anyway, my time's up. I'm not thinking. That's President. okay. I know you're not thinking. You never do. It's a whole hoax. And you know who's playing into the hoax? People like you and the fake news media. We are born free and we will stay free. Well, my man, Smug, we it's are... A, it's a big show. It, it's what everyone's talking about. No one is, is willing to talk about, right? But we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about Georgia. This will be the last episode that you will have to hear about radical liberal Raphael Warnock mm-hmm. or the preening, sniveling, daddy, daddy credit card using John Ossoff. Yeah. Trust fund uh, socialist. Everybody knows those. Because they they're both going to be meeting their defeat tonight. Um, and with any luck, we can get to the end of that and into the, the story that we're going to lead uh, with. But first of all, before we get into that, I want to welcome Dan Diamond. Yeah. Thank you, listener. Apparently, Dan Diamond is a listener. So for those of you who haven't been following this on Twitter, Dan Diamond is a reporter for Politico. And... Quote reporter, quote reporter. He's he's one of these journos. He's evidently a super fan of Ruthless. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So much so that a couple of days ago, he showed up in my mentions uh, asking me if my current opinion uh, jibes with a recording of a podcast that we did, I think like the week of the election about voter fraud and he had the audio (laughs) in his tweet and just i mean just off the top of his head yeah from nine weeks ago he recalled with great specificity what we were talking about that's pretty funny isn't it what's really funny is that it's all bullshit (laughs) yeah right because we know damn well that dan diamond doesn't listen to ruthless and we can give you a little look under the hood at how this works because honestly, this is the the world that we operate in. And, and folks, let listen. me let me tell you, this is going to be a huge value add. Um, you know, Josh brings a lot of expertise to the table, and he's about to pull back the curtain and explain how this game works. And I think it's it's a huge service, honestly, to the public for them to learn that this is what's been happening and this is how the media operates today. I'm gonna let him take it away. So what happens is you have one of several different entities. It's either Media Matters, uh, which is a a liberal organization that is entirely comprised by these activists who attempt to pull uh, quotes from conservatives and belittle them to the mainstream media. It's all clout chasing nonsense, but it's, it's playing into an echo chamber to try to discredit programs like Ruthless, right? Mm -hmm. So it's them or it's the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee or the DNC or what have you. They're listening. Like currently you're listening along with them, which is, you know, I take some some pride in knowing that I've got to torture the shit out of these people (laughs) for at least 35 minutes twice a week. Yeah. You know, but they record it and they listen and then they log it. And then when they think that they have something that is hypocritical or uh, not consistent They'd send the clip in a, in a very sort of unprofessional, backwards-looking way if you look at Dan's. Yeah, it's one of those like iPhone screen recordings, you know? <laughs> right. This but is like classic MMFA at work. Like, folks, we got to get this clip to the journal ASAP. Right, right. So they'll send it to some guy like Dan who, you know, I don't know Dan. I work with a lot of reporters over the years, and I didn't know Dan was on the ruthless beat. But now that I know, I'll, I'll keep him... <laughs> Involved, but Dan says on your podcast a week after the election, you supported Trump's allegations of widespread fraud and said it was a quote gift to conservatives. In retrospect, do you think you were right to root him on? So, of course, that's not what I said. And the best thing is, he so he clearly didn't even listen to the clip that MMFA sent him. And Media Matters wasn't even smart enough to try to turn it into a gotcha by editing out 
you know, selectively to try to make that sound like what you actually said. They actually made you sound great in the audio clip. <laughs> I thought the clip, I was like, oh, that's kind of a smart take. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, um, I didn't know that you could actually come up with that formulation for what I was trying to say, but I'll tell you why he did it. And why he did it is these journos, it's not like he was asking that question, right? Mm-hmm. What he was doing is, is clout chasing libs on Twitter to try to get RTs and a following and, a, and what have you. And sure enough, Media Matters immediately retweets him. Yep. Right? Which That's follow- such a great tell. Yeah. Which, which follows by Chris Hayes. What I don't can't, I can't figure out for the life of me what it is that this guy's got. But so Chris Hayes says, got to be clear eyed about this. And he thinks he's talking about some hypocrisy. Josh Holmes is the epitome of the modern GOP, probably more than any other figure, including McConnell and Trump. <laughs> what is Congratulations. Honestly, yeah. so, what a great quote. The funk, the kind of functionary who keeps the entire thing humming. Like, I don't know how I got on this right guy's radar, but, but frankly, I'm not, I don't want to get an off. endorsement. Yeah. That sounds I love having good. a co-host who embodies the Republican embodies. party. Huge. Embodies. But, but so the whole thing, I thought maybe for a minute I would, I would address the actual allegation that he's made and let that lead into a larger segment. And I want to bring uh, Duncan in on this one because I know he's been following it more closely than anyone. And I want to get your uh, opinions on, on it too, Sma. But what I, was, what I was talking about in the clip that Dan Diamond uh, surfaced was a Democrat's intentional efforts to game the election system. Yep. I was talking about something that exists, that persists, and that will continue into the future. The issues are things like removing voter ID. Yeah. Ballot harvesting. Uh, Sending out unrequested mail ballots to addresses where they have no idea if the resident still lives or not. Those are all things that Democrats have included in federal legislation over the last year, and they have done it for decades. They have tried to game the system. I can't, I, I can't order uh, you know, a six-pack of butt heavies for delivery without having to show ID, but, oh, you know, we should be able to vote without it helps like the leader of the free world. You don't need an ID trying to get some beers. Oh yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And and of course what they, what the media tries to do is conflate what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. which are very real concerns. And we need to have more conservatives engaged in this debate. I hope. And what I was talking about as a gift that president Trump was giving is that he was elevating the profile of this issue that more people would know what Democrats are up to when they're doing, because it's been a lonely battle. I mean, I, I've, I've been on the front lines of this issue with a few people for over a decade, and it's a lonely battle. It, election systems don't exactly blow everybody's skirt up. Yeah. You know, yeah. these are not things that like are sexy to talk about. They are not, you know, big ticket conservative items. They may be now. They might be now. What I was not talking about, very specifically, which Dan wants to project that I was, is what Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell and many of the president's attorneys have been talking about, which if you follow the program, I've been very, very critical of, very clearly and very critically. So I thought what we would do, Smug, is... Let's have a debate about this. Because at the beginning, you and I told all, every one of our listeners, we're not going to lie to you. We, yeah. are not, we are not going to chase an audience and tell you what you want to hear in the hopes that you make us rich and famous because we've lied to you and misled you and turned you into a radical that frankly doesn't recognize the earth as it exists. That is what a lot of people do in this line of work. We are not going to do that. There are issues where good conservatives have differences. This is one of them. I think I've got probably a very different point of view on a lot of this that you do, Smug. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, 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 applaud, you know, I applaud us 
I want to give me a, a pat on the back. But I, I'm betting across the country, you know, at dinner tables, you know, across America, there are conservative families who are sitting down having the discussion of what they think happened at the election. And like you said, there is not money to be made being honest and having an open debate about this. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made trying to, you know, just scam and trick people and, 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 and tell them what they want to hear. Um, but we're going to actually have a debate on this right now. It's, it's the topic no one wants to talk about, uh, but we're going to talk about it right now. And to be clear, it divides good people. Mm-hmm. It's not, we all have different points of view coming into it. And I, there, are, there are really, really smart conservatives like yourself and others who are on the other side of me. But one of the most conservative people I know, and the, probably the biggest Trump supporter outside of the family that I know, is Michael Duncan, who yep. has followed all of this post-election cl- more closely than anyone I know. And we need to get him on the program here. Michael, welcome aboard. Hello. I'm Always here. a pleasure, Mr. Duncan. <laughs> so we're, well. this is a much more sober take that we've brought you in on than mm-hmm. usual, Duncan, but I, I think this is a real opportunity to add some value for our audience. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, look, here's my problem with this, this whole, you know, there's going to be a Senate vote uh, challenging the certification of the election. Um, it's not going anywhere. And that isn't to say that the the complaints aren't justified. Um, If we're talking about ballot harvesting, you know, if we're talking about mailing out ballots to people indiscriminately, whether they request one or not, yeah, you have a complaint. But you know what? You should have had that complaint six months ago when these states changed the way they were going to run elections. Mm. When was Lynn... Wood going to have a rally when that was happening? Never. Where where was Rudy when when all that was going down? Nowhere. So instead, we're going to fall into the same virtue signaling bullshit that the Democrats played with RussiaGate for four years. My my complaint with this is it's whiny loser shit. Yeah, that's what it is. It's whiny loser shit. We were told by Lynn Wood and Rudy Giuliani that we were going to get evidence of massive voter fraud, that, that they were going to reveal it all, you know, release the, the Kraken. Then they lost like 60 times in court. So, so I guess what I'm saying is at some point, the president just hired bad lawyers and that's, <laughs> and that's, that's it. Because we got Lynn Wood, who's saying that, that, that Vice President Mike Pence uh, needs to be tried for treason and killed by firing squad or whatever. We got Rudy Giuliani, who's got hair dye running down his face. At some point, they're the problem, not the system. Because here's the thing. It's been adjudicated 60 times in court over and over and over again. Do I think that some of this stuff is real? Yeah, I think ballot harvesting is real and is a problem. We need to figure out how we can stop Democrats from doing it. I think mailing a ballot to everybody um, who's lived in an apartment or a house over the last 10 years because they're on the voter rolls is wrong. I think those things help Democrats game the system. And, you know, I want to hop in and say that this was... This is an issue that I think deserves a lot more attention. And conservative media, of course, the mainstream media, have not given coverage to how much of an impact on this election there was when in the spring and the summer, you had these states passing these, you know, some of them is just like the governor saying, this is what's going to happen. You know, uh, COVID has given a lot of these governors uh, this rush of, you know, unchecked power. A lot of these states passed these measures saying that, you know, we will just blanket the state with ballots. Everyone, if we have an address, it's getting a ballot. Um, And like we said, if there's no voter ID, who do we know is filling out that ballot? Who do we, you know, I have a lot of questions when it comes to these measures that were taken. And that's where I think there needs to be a lot of attention. 
So I, I agree with that, Smug. I think where we differ is the facts of this particular episode are, are not really being debated. The, the, the president and his team are putting out a narrative of a stolen election. But the facts have not revealed that. Everything that Duncan and I and you have talked about in terms of a ballot harvesting problem of governors making executive orders that overrule existing law, things we haven't talked about, like media and social media rigging of, of the system, like all of that is true. Like all, all of it is true. But if you have evidence of ballots being changed, voters' intent being changed, you bring it before a court of law that is the way that we've always dealt with it, and they have. And I think to Duncan's point, the one, the one thing I really agree with is they've brought it in 60-plus different venues, and it's been thrown out time after time after time. And I, as a conservative, I sit there, and, and I don't want to accept the fact that Trump has lost the election. I don't want to, the old man Biden being the guy that's sitting behind the resolute desk. Like, that sucks. I don't want to accept that reality. But if you look at the decisions that have been made up to this point, what they're saying is the witnesses that have been brought in, the testimony, the depositions that have been given are not accurate. They're not accurate. It goes back to this thing. It goes back to this thing, Holmes. It's like they've been in court 60 times, 99.8% of Republicans who were incumbents who ran for re-election won. And the president lost. So at some point, at some point, it's not the system's fault. It's Rudy Giuliani's fault. It's it's Lynn Wood's fault. Because where the hell were they six months ago when all these rules were getting written? And now they want to sit there and pretend like they're the conservatives. They're the real conservatives who are trying to get it done and everybody else doesn't care. That's bullshit. Yeah. You think, you think Mitch McConnell doesn't want to keep confirming judges? <laughs> you, you don't think Mitch McConnell wants to put another justice on the Supreme court? Like what you think, you think we all want Donald Trump to lose? No, he hired bad people. I don't, I don't know how anyone else can make an argument that he hired good people. Well, Sydney, I mean, Sidney Powell stood in the lobby of the Republican National Committee and said that it was a Venezuelan dictator who's been dead four years, who has sabotaged our election and American officials were in on it, Republican and Democrat. That is not a serious claim. That is not somebody who can be taken seriously. I understand that she was an effective lawyer for Mike Flynn. I get that. I understand. I also understand that what happened to Mike Flynn was a miscarriage of justice. I understand that Democrats never, ever, ever spent a single day understanding and dignifying the fact that President Trump was actually elected in 2016. I get all that. None of that means that we should destroy American democracy. See, so this is retribution. This is where I want to jump in. So my issue and my my opinion in this area, and you just mentioned it. Is that so Democrats, you know, since day one, when President Trump got elected, they instantly, you know, turned on this machine saying, oh, my goodness, President Trump is a KGB agent. There is a a P tape. Uh, This election was rigged. This election was stolen. In the media, you've been seeing nothing but article after article saying that senators, you know, who are going to speak up at the Electoral College certification, they're trying to destroy democracy. Folks, the Dems had their issues at the electoral certification in 2000, 2004, and 2016. Essentially, when a Republican wins, Dems, Dems do anything they can to fight it. And I think it, it's, it's past time that we fight fire with fire. Anything that the Dems do willing to win, we should be willing to do, and we should be willing to go further. Because the thing is, is that like, everyone's like, at what point are we going to get where, you know, there'll be some Democrat Congress sometime and then they're going to overturn something, you know, for the first time, I would like the Dems to worry about, oh, we can't do this because what will the Republicans do? Republicans are always like, oh my God, the Dems are going to do this if we do this. 
it's time to make them worry about what we were going to do. I just don't. Here's my problem with this. It's like it feels eerily similar to defund Obamacare. And for our listeners who, who, who don't remember that, basically, this was, you know, this is in 2013. It was when Ted Cruz, um, you know, basically held a filibuster against Obamacare, you know, trying to get Obamacare defunded. Of, of course, at the time, the chamber was held by Democrats. And in no way was it ever a, a, a doubt that they could break the filibuster at any moment. But they let him run this uh, filibuster. And there was no way that anything was going to come of it. I mean, we weren't gonna, we, we weren't gonna get Barack Obama to undo his signature healthcare law uh, by somehow defunding Obamacare. We, we, and, and the theory was if we just don't blink, if we just fight, if we don't blink and we just fight, we're gonna stop Obamacare. Well, it was already law. And so the fight became just a virtue signal, which is what the Democrats have done for four years with Russiagate. So I guess my answer back is like, what the hell are we doing other than trying to get RTs? Like, what are we doing other than trying to raise money? I don't know what we're actually accomplishing. I would say, so here's, here's the best example I can give is the Democrats were willing to impeach President Trump on just absolute nonsense on truly a nothing burger thinking i mean in their hearts they knew he's not going to get impeached but why do they do it is because they knew throughout history they're, they're like you know what there's always going to be an asterisk on on president trump's presidency that he was impeached throughout history everyone's going to say oh oh my goodness you know richard nixon oh my goodness donald trump that's why they did it. We, we have to understand these are spiteful people who do things to hurt us, not, not, to, not necessarily because they're going to gain anything. Yeah, I, and, and you know what? It's, it's time we focused on trying to hurt them. Yeah, looks, I mean, I, we, I should start, we should start working on impeaching Biden. His, I, don't, I don't disagree with the intent, but I, I disagree with the motive. What, they didn't try to impeach Trump because they thought that would benefit them politically. They tried to impeach Trump because they are too weak to stand up to the radical elements of their own party. Leadership matters. And Nancy Pelosi is a weak leader. Chuck Schumer is a weak leader. When people like AOC come up in their grill and drop a grenade, they don't have the balls to do anything but let it explode, right? So the continued erosion of American democracy at the hands of Democrats is because of weak leadership. I don't know why most people become Republicans. Let me tell you why I became a Republican. Why I became a Republican was because there needed to be a party that wasn't weak, that didn't think of the easiest politically salable thing that you could come up with. Somebody who could say no when it was unpopular to protect our Congress, to protect our presidency and our Supreme Court, and make sure that the visions of the founding fathers ultimately got carried forward to the next generation. Because as we know, this stuff is a lot more delicate than we would like to imagine it to be, right? And if it's up to Democrats, ultimately, it's over. We're one election away from nobody who, who anybody who's lost, not acknowledging that they've lost, and then what? It's ultimately the consent of the governed, and it requires real leadership to speak truth when it's unpopular. Democrats are unwilling to do that. And I guess my point is with all this as it, as it specifically relates, the truth is Donald Trump came up short. That is the truth. There are many reasons for that some of which are deeply unfair, some of which are because of horrible attorneys. 
but it's true. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not. See, that's a, is when we have a media which was intentionally suppressing like the Hunter Biden story at the end and then openly spiking the football, giving themselves pats on the back after the election saying, hey, good job, everyone. We made sure this story didn't break into the mainstream, into the mainstream news. When now we know there's this investigation underway, when there was every possible way that the media worked. I mean, you know, we're talking about how Dan Diamond is a clout shark. Uh, there was this article in Vanity Fair talking about how in the age of Trump, it's essentially every journo trying to get their moment where they like stand up at a press conference or whatever and have a confrontation because they know that means followers on Twitter and a book deal. Um, when this system has been created where, where the media is pushing out essentially disinformation to voters when they're like, oh, wow, you know, there's a P tape, you know, the, the, we are not on a fair ground. And so that's why I say, but, you know, by any means necessary, we need to fight back against Dems. Uh, you see an example where uh, ballot harvesting was a nightmare in California, and then the California Republican Party wised up, and they've put their own ballot harvesting yeah. programs Yeah, I, in, in I think place. that's right. But that's, the, that's what I'm talking about. That's how you fight. Yeah, we got to fight fire with that's fire. That's how you and fight. By any means necessary, I think we have to combat what the Dems are doing. You figure out what they're trying to do. You get in front of it, and you fight them just as hard. You don't grievance politics after the fact, right? And that's, I mean, basically, that's one of the things that we founded this show on. We're not going to complain and bitch about what's happening to us. We already know. We know that every reporter in America is against our point of view. We understand that the entire glitterati and elite from Hollywood to Wall Street thinks that they, that they, that they should run us out of this country. We know that. The question is, how do we build a movement strong enough to say, fuck you, we're not going anywhere. Right, 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 right. And, and, and here's the thing, man, is like, and excuse me if my mic isn't, isn't quite as quality. It, it died, unfortunately, this episode was running a little. Usually when I dunk on Duncan, it's, it's, it's like 10 minutes and I'm out, you know? So I'm not prepared to do a full, full episode. But like, I mean, Holmes, you know me. It's like, um, my job for for a long time was to kick Mitch McConnell in the teeth every day. Like that was my that was my job. Well, that's how I got to know you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 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 so um, what I learned is that there's a difference between um, you know making a point and making a difference. And that's what that's the problem I have with this challenging of the certification of the election. It's like we're not actually making a difference. And if you listen closely, here's what bothers me, Smug. And and I don't disagree with your fighting fire with fire point of view. Here's what bothers me. There are some weasel words in this discussion. There are some abilities to get out from underneath the liability of it that politicians have used to not address the underlying issue, right? Like I actually kind of commend Josh Hawley for, for saying he's going to object to the certification because he just said he's going to straight up object to it, right? But now we've entered this commission role, which I, seems ridiculous to me. And I, don't get me wrong, I respect an awful lot of the senators who are on that path. I know this is a difficult situation. But the weasel words are, that none of the senators, Hawley included, have actually said they believe that the election was stolen. None of them. Here's what I'll say. So, number one, I want to commend Senator Hawley. I think he's doing an incredible job in the Senate, and I think him objecting is huge and necessary, and I fully support it because there is a significant uh, portion of this country and not just his constituents in, in, in Missouri, across the country, who do not have confidence right now that this was a fair election, and they think there were shenanigans and the, the, uh, you know irregularities that deserve more thorough investigating and should be aired out publicly 
So I commend him because here's the thing is if, if there's a portion of this electorate who loses faith in our elections, that's, that's, that's actually, you know, an attack on democracy. That's, that's actually going to be a problem for democracy. I think those issues should be, you know, completely aired out. And I, I commend Senator. But don't you think up. that the reason that most American or most Republicans think that we are dealing with a stolen election is because conservative clout chasing audience building, whether they be politicians or media or whatever, have not had this conversation? Well, I, I, I mean, I will say that you do not get any situation outside of you know, this episode of Ruthless, I have not heard, you know, any even hit on any of the news stations where you can get multiple viewpoints and people presenting facts on this issue. Um, but I, to me, what remains incredibly important is that we, we deal with what we have. So I can't speak for why a number of Republicans may believe what they believe in terms of the election. What I do know is that I think it needs to be addressed. Um, I think I do. I think we do know why. I mean, I think we do know why. The reason is because they've been system systematically lied to by a polit political elite class, and by the mainstream media, and by the the sociological engineers in Hollywood and the education system in this country to the point where they don't believe them. They don't believe anything they have to say, and unfortunately, what that means is that what they do believe also has flaws. There's I will say I will say this: No one, no entity, has done more to undermine faith in our elections than the media over the I past agree. four years. I agree. It's absolutely disgusting. 100%. Any conspiracy theory they could come up with, you're going to get you know a primetime slot on Rachel Maddow. Tell us about how Donald Trump is a KGB agent. Tell us about how. I mean, God knows how Putin hacked every voting machine in America. It didn't matter what was based in fact. They were putting folks in front of cameras. You had mainstream journalists running with the craziest of conspiracy theories. We had a U.S. president who was impeached under the most garbage, made-up charges. I mean, the media has a lot to answer for, and yeah. they, they told us why they did it in that Vanity Fair articles, because they, they wanted spent, money and fame. They have spent, they have spent four years undermining the electoral process in this country this is not debatable this this is a fact and now they want to belittle everyone who doesn't trust the electoral process in this country i mean they set the fire they set the fire i i i, I don't understand how people on twitter can sit there smugly, so smug, and sit there and say, oh, these dumb rubes in the sticks don't get it. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you. For four years, you did this. I'm sorry. I, I apologize for my language. I don't mean to say it, but fuck you. The audacity. Because you did it. You did it for four fucking years, okay? And you did story after story saying the president of the United States was a Russian asset. You said Mitch McConnell was a Russian asset. You said everything that we're doing was to undermine the electoral process in this country. And then you said the day after the election, fair election. It's fair. Yeah. Everything was fair. Oh, yep. It was done fairly after four years saying it wasn't fair. Yep. Get out of here. For yeah. four years, they were telling us an election was rigged. And then the following day, when they get the result they want, they say, hey, listen, guys, elections can't be rigged. And, and here's the Is thing. Is this 1984? This is insane. Well, here's, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. I don't think the Lynn Woods and, and the Rudy Giuliani's of the world have proved anything. They, they, they haven't. If you look at the the fact that they've lost in court after court after court. I, I don't know what to tell you, but, but, but what I'm saying is the media set the stakes for this. Mm -hmm. And that's really. Yeah. That's why this is happening. That's why this is happening. I guess the only difference of opinion 
that we have here and that many conservatives have here is it is this a hill to die on right because i i think this election was not particularly close in terms of its uh, electoral college separation in terms of the individual states that we're talking about it's a larger separation than has even been brought into the wildest of evidence that has been presented before these courts. It's, it's, it's simply not true to allege that Donald Trump has won this election. And I am willing to go to the fricking mat, the mat, to avenge every reason why. But I'm not willing to destroy American democracy by, by reducing faith and confidence in the electoral college in order to do it. Because I, I, I will tell you, it's the only reason we have Republican presidents around here. There is the only reason, if you're in Kansas and South Dakota and North Dakota and Iowa and Wisconsin, if you're anywhere in the middle of this country, if you, don't, if, if you appreciate the fact that in politics, you don't have to take dictation from some asshole in the suburbs of New York, or from downtown San Francisco, it's because of the Electoral College. Also, also- It gives you that power. Also, I'm not gonna get a lecture from a bunch of Johnny-come-latelys who, um, I don't know, should have filed some um, lawsuits six months ago in state courts telling me how we're all rhinos and they're the true conservatives who are standing up for President Trump. It's just not true. It's just not true. Yeah. None of you are more conservative than I am. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. I, I want to reiterate I mean, a, a couple of things. That is, Duncan is 100% right. We need to have a very close look. And this is what Josh was addressing when, when, when Media Matter sent Dan Diamond after him. When he said that there are issues that we need to look at, it's these things like how they, how they got these rules in place to send ballots to anybody. But they're so scared. They're so, they're, they're so scared, Smug. They're so scared that we'll actually focus in on those things. Yeah. And, and all they want to do is, is talk about Lynn Wood. That's why we know who Lynn Wood is. Right, right, right. And Rudy Giuliani's hair dye, you know, coming off his head. Let's be honest, these are not the best. And this the reason why we know them is because the media wants us to know them. Yeah, that's right. Because we're never gonna get to the bottom of, of, of the vote harvesting or the fact that they send ballots out to anybody who's been registered at a house for 10 years. We're never gonna talk about any of those things if we're talking about Rudy Giuliani or Lynn Wood. And that's, that's honestly what the liberals want more than anything. That's right. So look, I don't think there's anybody more that, that, are, that is more disappointed by the outcome than we are on this show. I mean, perhaps there are a few, but we're, we're, we're hardcore, right? And this is going to be a debate that continues far after Inauguration Day. And it will probably define the early part of 2021 in terms of the Republican Party. And I think our mission here on Ruthless is not to tell you what to think. I think our, our, our job is to provide you as many cold, hard facts as possible, bring on as many voices representing different points of view as we can, allow them to speak unfiltered, unlike the media. Don't create a narrative for them before they come in. And let, us, let it guide us because our challenges are many and they are in front of us. If we don't win Georgia, they're going to be hugely problematic, which we need to get to right now. But, but my, my imploring of all of our listeners is let's just have this discussion. Let's keep an open mind. Let's go into this stronger and as together as a coalition as we can because if we don't keep this working class Trump coalition together, Democrats are going to be eating our lunch for a very long time. And, and that's more honest of a discussion than you'll get anywhere else. It is. Yeah. So, um, news of the day, <laughs> it, it's Tuesday. It's election day, folks. Election day in Georgia. And it's time to get into that.
Yeah, this is, this is, um, look, you all know how serious we've been about this from the very beginning, radical liberal Raphael Warnock uh, and the sniveling preening daddy credit card man, John Ossoff are meeting their political maker uh, today, today. And this has been a hard fought campaign. I like what I'm seeing. I'll be honest. Like, I feel like despite everything you've read in the media about how Democrats have met their vocals, <laughs> I mean, the reality is there's a lot of room for, for Republicans to win this. We just require our election day turnout to be what it is. And so, you know, I, I think we're going to win. I really do. What do you think, Smug? Well, I think, you know, like I'd mentioned in a previous episode, we've got a lot of great operatives in Georgia um, who've been working hard. I think, you know, the media has been trying their, their darndest to, to get some garbage out last second against our Republican candidates. But uh, I, I think they've run strong campaigns down there. And I think it's when voters are going to have the choice, you know, uh, one of the last things they know about Raphael Warnock, the campaign, like counselors were doing some R. Kelly-ish type things, that's not going to be very palatable. Um, <laughs> That's just me, folks. Uh, I, I think I think our Republicans are running strong down there, and I'm I'm looking forward to a victory tomorrow night. Tonight, oh goodness, we're already here. God, we're already here. We're already here. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think we've done. Look, there it, it's unprecedented. If you talk to like Kevin McLaughlin, who we've had on the show many times, and people like War Baker, who are on the ground in Georgia, I mean, what they'll tell you is that there's never been a bigger Republican effort on the ground to win than this one. I mean, this is all hands on deck. It has been funded by terrific efforts uh, from, you know, basically every corner of the Republican universe. And ultimately, it just requires Republicans to vote Republican in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Make it a priority. And that's another thing is, you know what I want to bring up? Maybe we can get Duncan... uh, to talk about this is there have been concerted efforts to make sure that Republicans don't vote. Um, the other day, he, uh, who was it at the New York times? It was Shane Goldmacher, right? Who had uh, the Lincoln project is putting up ads telling Republicans don't vote. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, the Lincoln project is running a voter suppression campaign in Georgia uh, using video of Linwood telling Republicans don't vote in a rigged election. <laughs> I, I, I just want to say the whole reason <clears throat> behind not having a uh, open season on running ads online was that we were going to stop people from um, claiming the election was rigged. We were, we, we were going to make sure that no one was going to claim that the election was rigged. Instead, what we have is Democrats running voter suppression to Republicans saying, don't vote in the runoff. I mean, it's so rich. It's so rich. I mean, the, the entire... Every single Democratic argument from beginning to end is- They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. (laughs) Here's the thing. We talk about, they talk about, they talk about turnout. They say, when people vote, Democrats win. Bullshit. They don't care. They don't care. People voted in 2020. You know what? Republicans won. Republicans won so many elections. Democrats lost so many elections. Look at the House. Also, can we get some journalists to cover the fact that the Lincoln Project is saying uh, this election was rigged, so there's no need to vote in the next one? Yeah. Yeah, that would be very helpful. It'd be really nice if we had some resemblance of public information. We don't. We don't. It just... It's easy to be cynical about this. But here... here, Let me just provide a ray of optimism here. We're going to win. Okay. And, and what a win says is, 
is more powerful here than all of the discussion that's been happening in New York and DC mm -hmm. from November until today. What it says is the, the four profile puff pieces of each Democratic candidate in the in New York Times and the Washington Post, as opposed to the four hit pieces written in the Washington Post and New York Times, all that is we don't give a shit. We mind don't you. care. We don't care what you say. Mind you, mind you, mind you, Josh. None of those were paywall. No, Open. no, no. Yeah, no. It's very no, no, no. You, 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 you do a profile. You do a profile of John Ossoff. You do a profile of Raphael Warnock. No paywall. No, no paywall. paywall. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? No. It's well, I mean, that's like how it's, the audience built. It's almost like it's their version of a political ad. They are doing what we told you on Ruthless we will never do. Yeah. We are not going to lie to you. They, the New York Times knows damn well that Raphael Warnock is no warrior for truth and justice. They know damn well mm -hmm. that he's a knockoff Jeremiah Wright. That's what he is. They know that. But they're going to cover him like he's the second coming because he's a Democrat and they know, they know their audience, that's what they came there for. They need another, they need another hit of the good stuff, right? They need, they need to make sure that the libs are fed. And, and this is the problem that ultimately the media is going to have. At the end of the day, the media is going to figure out that they have offered an audience only one point of view for four years while Donald Trump has been president. And they've gotten away with it because Donald Trump is president. What is going to happen with a White House press corps that actually has to cover the news? Their, their audience that they built, those mega numbers, those big subscriber lists, adios. Yeah, like in that Vanity Fair article when they said, well, we don't anticipate having to fact check Joe Biden. It's like, well, there it is. Mask <laughs> off. There it is. There it is. Look, so, I mean, everyone, if you're listening and you're in Georgia and you were still seeking some motivation after you learned how terrible Ossoff and Warnock are, if you want to punish these media people, vote Republican today. If you want to punish all these pundits and this system put in place for the media to push this kind of garbage, vote Republican. Can, 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 we, talk, can we talk about Judd? Juddlegum? About Juddlegum. Juddlegum on Twitter. Yeah, I want, I, want, I want to talk about this for sure. What happened? Let's, let's, let's uh, start that. I'll pull, up, I'll pull up the tweet right now. Well, you know, old Juddlegum decided that he wanted to be a part of this whole, um, I don't know, fake um, white supremacy stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my opinion of this is basically, do you think these people respect you, Judd? <laughs> like, do you, think, do you think they respect you? I want to give context to this tweet. So on January 2nd uh, at 6.19 p.m., Juddlegum sent out this tweet saying that Senator David Perdue should explain why he is making a white power sign in this photo posted by a Trump campaign operative on October 15th. <laughs> now, in the photo itself, uh, you see these two kids uh, with, with Perdue, and they're throwing up the three sign. And it says in, in the post, uh, Senator Perdue was very proud of these two for each having made nearly 3,000 voter contacts each knocking doors. That's a huge number of doors, man. It is. That's a huge number of doors. They should be applauded. Uh, so it's like, oh, so them throwing up the three for 3,000 door knocks, that's, that's white power. The best, though, is the reply where you had the guy who took the photo say, I'm an African-American. I took this photo of these two Native American kids throwing up the three number because they made, you know, 3,000 door knocks each. That's each. And, and this guy bought on it. I mean, that's what, what Duncan's point is, which I think is a great one, is that they, Democrats will take something like this and try to shove it into the mainstream media, much like they did to Dan Diamond and Ruthless. Like, it's, it's, they just try to smear, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. when it gets to a guy like, what the hell is this guy's name? Judd, Judd, officially, it's Judd Legum. 
Yeah, like, well, so he's the end of the line. Gentlegum is what he's known as. He's the end of the line, right? This is, this is what happens. This guy is the guy who's standing there with his, with his knapsack open, waiting um, for whatever um, anybody gives you. Um, um, this is the guy. This is the guy. <laughs> They're scraping the bottom of the barrel <laughs> of the opposition research. 72 hours before the election. They when everyone else says to write it. When everyone else. Right, right, right. Daily Beast won't write it. HuffPo won't write it. Daily Coast won't write it. Raw Story won't write it. They ship this trash to you, Juddle. <laughs> they ship it to you. And you're dumb enough to tweet it. That's what they think of you. That's what they think. They think you're dumb enough to tweet it. They're like, he's so dumb. Because any, any, I mean, I won't say that Daily Beast and, and HuffPo are respectable, but those publications know, okay, we're going to get clapped back with someone who has the facts. And sure enough, within hours, you had that guy post that, okay, I'm an African-American man. <laughs> I took the photo of these two Native American kids who did 3K not They don't care. They don't care. It's all yeah. bullshit. And that's the thing is, Juddlegum, you know, doesn't have to apologize. He's got his retweets and faves, and that's what, that's what he was in it for. Yeah. Well, cloud look, shark. We, cloud we, shark. Uh, <laughs> absolute cloud shark. That's, that, is a, that is a double hand dunk on that dude. And, and I think, guys, look, you tune, in, you tune in to Ruthless for two reasons. For one, hopefully you're entertained. For two, we're not going to lie to you. We're going to provide you some pretty interesting content. And three, we're gonna we're gonna give you kind of the direction of where things head from here. And I think you got all that here. What you didn't get, uh, we usually have a, like a like a sex segment, which is uh, is something that that I've heard a lot about that, we, that people like. And and you didn't get the lighter side of stuff, which you know, look, sometimes you don't have light times. These are weighty issues that we need to deal with, and. Uh, so I, I'm proud of this episode. I hope, I hope that we will find ourselves on Thursday in a much lighter mood. Same. I mean, this was, yeah. Like I said, this is one of the most honest discussions you're going to get, your hands-on period. Uh, and that's why I'm proud to be a part of this, man. I think we're doing great work here. That's why all, all you folks listening – you should let your friends know too, because you're not going to get this stuff anywhere else. No one else is trying to tell you the truth and show you what happens when you pull back the curtain. So on that note, you know, I won't, I won't give away any of the guests. We've, we're, we're booking some really great interviews coming soon, but uh, you're going to have to stick around for those. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. <laughs>